Praise the Lord. How many want to see his kingdom come? Well, let me tell you, his kingdom's here. But what's on earth as it is in heaven look like? It has to change us. It has to transform us. If it doesn't, thank you, Ben, that was amazing. If it doesn't transform us and change us, then it's not heaven on earth in your life. If we're not feeling transformed, energized, on fire for God, then you need more heaven. <laughs> and if you need more heaven, you actually need more Jesus. Because wherever heaven is, Jesus is there, Holy Spirit is there, and God's presence is there. So if we're not energized in the morning, when we climb out of bed, you know when the trustworthy alarm clock seems to know the time better than we do? If we're not energized every morning, then we need to find out where's Jesus? Or where's heaven? Well, heaven's at hand, right? That means that expression, when John the Baptist and Jesus both declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it means it's touchable. It's just right there. So you can live out of heaven and heaven be right here. You can live outside his presence, but yet his presence is right here. You can live outside the miraculous, but yet the miraculous is right here. You can live outside the purposes of God, yet the purposes of God are right here. Because it's all a matter of a choice. I just finished, I don't know, where have I been for the last three weeks? Um, three weeks ago, I was in Mexico. And two weeks ago, I was in Pakistan, Karachi. And this last whole week, I was in... Seoul, South Korea, the thing. So this is the first time I've been back. Have I been gone like three Sundays? This is my first Sunday back. And uh, you know what? I guarantee you, you can get tired when you do that many back-to-back -back trips, especially the jet lag trips. It's one thing if you do a back-to-back -back Calgary trip. It takes like 55 minutes of flying time. But when you're doing Pakistan, it was 31 hours of travel to get to Karachi through Beijing, China. And it's just amazing. I mean, it's my first time to Pakistan. My 47th country now, I think it's around 47 countries. But I tell you what, amazing things happened in Mexico. Amazing things happened in Pakistan. Amazing things happened in Seoul, South Korea. And amazing things are happening in Windward, in Canada. I know it, I believe it, and I expect it. You see, expectation is something that we have to choose on whether we truly expect it. People say, you know, I want revival. Well, are you not in revival? No, but I expect revival to look like this. Well, that's the problem you expect. You expect what God's supposed to look like and do. And our expectation many times will cancel. Our understanding our own personal understanding will sometimes cancel out many times what he's actually doing around you. Because we want it to look like what it used to, but God doesn't want it to look like what it used to. He actually wants it to look like what it's now. And now is a whole lot different than what it was. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I love the visions and dreams and the old men sleeping. So for me, that's a great thing. I'm ready to have a little bit of a sleep. I'm not sure, you know, uh, Pakistan was like 16 hours of different time zone, and Korea is like 
10 or 12 or 11 or 13 or something like that. So, you know, your body takes a little while to sort of get back into the swing of things. But I woke up this morning, I actually couldn't get to bed much last night. I was, wi- I was wired, I was exhausted early, and then I stayed up, forced myself, and I got thinking about the message I wanted to share today. And I have done two of the nine Beatitudes, and I wanted to continue on with the third Beatitude. And I get this download, so I'm up to like 1, 1.30, in the morning, typing more notes into my notes, and uh, just, uh, just excited as to what God is doing. And, uh, and yeah, so I think that was a thumbs up. Perfect, okay. So I'm gonna show a couple pictures and maybe some video of some of these trips. I, I thank you, Samantha, for putting it together. So this is in Mexico. This is salvation. So these are people coming uh, to salvation uh, on our first night in Mexico, in our first area in Mexico. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Testing, one, two. And uh, let's go to the next. We'll go through it quickly. Yeah, so here's people. How many of you know that it's a good day when someone comes to Jesus Christ? That's good. Because if we did all this just for one, it's worth it. But when we do it for hundreds, it's still worth it. And you guys are paying me to do this. You guys, we tithe on everything that comes in. And all of our tithes will go back out to the nations. So when Windward gets a tithe then we also tithe as a ministry, and it sends us to the nation. So thank you for tithing, for giving, for sowing, because your seed is being planted in all over the nations, not just Canada, but all over the nations. Let's go ahead next. This is our second place in Mexico, in, uh, in Poza Rica, uh, down in Veracruz, the state of Veracruz, where there's actually a lot of violence. This is the, both these cities we went into were the first time they had ever had a Christian crusade. When I was introdu- like starting the crusade here the first night, a young man came running up, and he was, he was showing me a finger. I think he meant the other finger, like number one, God's number one, but it, somehow it's a different finger ended up coming up. But... Um, and he was yelling and swearing, and, and uh, this is just really weird. I've never heard those sounds before. Um, so anyways, yeah, he was a young man, probably in his early 20s or mid-20s, and he just was unhappy, and this is cartel area, massive cartel area. And uh, they control a lot of the Catholic church and whatnot, and the night before, I had already been on uh, one of the radio stations that reaches out to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, because it even reaches into Boston and different areas. Um, and we were proclaiming the gospel on the radio station, had words of knowledge over people. Uh, some of the people phoned in later uh, the next morning and said, I can't believe how does this guy know, you know, that with the sickness I had and how come it went away? I want to know. And they came and got saved. So, you know, it's just like these things, but it aggravates the enemy. And it aggravated the cartel. And so this young guy, literally, I mean, he could have pulled the gun and popped me right there. But he ended up just pointing a finger at me and, and uh, saying a few words that I would never say <laughs> for quite a while. Anyways, yeah, so, but it's awesome. So here we are, worshiping, praising God. Go ahead. Giving people, giving their life to Jesus right here. All these people up front, hundreds of them are giving their life to Christ. Tell you what, go ahead. Yeah, here we are, see. Oh, this is our senior pastor, Adonis Hernandez in the yellow shirt. He oversees um, our 70 churches in Mexico. He's the main senior apostolic apostle. And then we're actually his overseer. <laughs> okay, next, you guys are. We are together, right? We're family. Okay, 
I was praying for people. Go ahead. Oh, so now I'm in Fuerza Agape. This is our main church in Mexico City. We're about 1,000 people there. And instead of building another big building, we just keep building churches, more churches. So go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, at the end of praying, I laid hands on every person. It, it took hours. And at the end, Adonis and Carmen took my shoes off and washed my feet in front of the whole church. So go ahead. Yeah, it, it messed me up. It's messing me up right now. Keep going. Oh, my trip to Pakistan and I got upgraded. So I had to show you what Polaris class looks like. In that bed, that chair lies fully flat. Your feet go underneath that other place. Can I get the other, the old uh, pack? And um, it is absolutely big screen TV. Sit back. They come and they bring me warm peanuts and a nice warm rag. I get to choose my meal. So it just, for me, it's exciting when you get upgraded because that ticket, the one-way ticket is $8,400. But I didn't pay. Okay, next. This is uh, flying into Beijing, China. Next. This is a pastor uh, senior pastor of the Ukraine, uh, Dmitry, and he, I was in the Ukraine back, and it was on a trip in 2005, and he remembers me back then, and uh, uh, absolutely powerful, and wouldn't you know, we reconnect and minister together in, uh, in, in Karachi, Pakistan. Who would figure that out, right? One, two, three. So it was so much fun to minister with him. He speaks, he, he's Russian, but he lives in Ukraine, but he speaks Russian. And he came over, Pakistan was with our Russian churches. So uh, we had a, a group of almost 30 people from Russia. We have seven churches in Russia now, and uh, two rescue centers where we rescue uh, drug uh, addicts as well as prostitutes off the street. So go next. This is our senior pastor. Uh, in Russia. He oversees, he's a young man, fire evangelist. The signs and wonders that this young guy does is absolutely amazing. Next. So this is Karachi, Pakistan, the first night. The second night it grew, we had about 15,000, we estimate, maybe a bit more people. Go ahead. This is our Russian team. Go ahead. Uh, praying for, this, this is a, a dean of a local university, a Bible school, Bible college seminary. And we were praying for pastors and leaders, and we'll go next. They wanted to do a, a, a film thing, documentary with me in it. So this is in my hotel room getting ready to do this, and that's my translator there. Go ahead. Here we are. This is a stadium crusade. We originally were going into a stadium in Karachi, but, and the president was actually going to be coming. Um, the gentleman who brought me in at, at Teak, he also has a Christian radio station and a church, and he's actually put those under Windward's covering now. So now we have a Christian radio and television station in, uh, in Karachi and a new church in Karachi. And uh, the church that... The main church that he works is with, the pastor, is actually a strictly an outreach church to, to Hindus. And um, it's about two and a half hours north of Karachi, and they're 100% Hindu. 
Hindus that have come to Jesus Christ. So, yeah, let's go ahead. There we are. Here's people coming. Actually, we were inviting the sick up, and the demon-possessed started getting crazy. So go ahead. Here we are. Go ahead. Oh, I'm wearing a Pakistani thing. I don't know what they call it. Somebody know? Huh? Okay, not a burqa, no. This is a church administered. <laughs> That'd be bad. This is the main floor, and then they have a second floor with live video stream, and they're packed in up top as well, too, and ministered with these guys. Go ahead. Yeah, this is how they blessed me, all these things. And I said, I can't preach like this. It was actually making me sweat. It was so hot. Let's go ahead. Here they're doing communion the real way. Yeah, you got to trust that they wash their hands. Amen. So let's go ahead. They took me to the beach in Karachi. That was beautiful. Go ahead. I had to take a picture of the camels, just because it's not a normal site here in Canada. Go ahead. And this is uh, the, where the actual television station is. And he said, sit in my desk, and we want to take a picture of you. So go ahead. They're just ministering. Go ahead. Ministering for people. Oh, he, just after this, um, a Muslim lady came up, and uh, she had this big, like a gorder-looking tumor on her neck. And she didn't give her life to Jesus. She came up to me specifically after the crusade. And uh, through a translator, she said, I'm Muslim, I could tell. And uh, she said, would you pray for, would you be willing to pray to your God to see if he could heal my neck? And she pulled her, is it Borka? She pulled it back, and it was unusual because at first she wasn't looking at me, which is common. And as she pulled it back, she still wouldn't look at me. And I said, absolutely, because I'll tell you what, my God is the God that heals. And I had great faith. And I put my hand on that tumor on her neck and just prayed in Jesus' name, tumor be gone, and I just felt this thing disappearing. And I, I was actually really excited too, you know, so, and, and as soon as I stopped praying, I pulled my hand away, people around me are freaking out, and she put her hand on her neck and just burst into tears, and her eyes came up and stared at me, and uh, that was it. I didn't lead her to Jesus. She came back the, night, the next night, specifically came to me with her whole Muslim family, for them all to come to Jesus. And we led their whole family to Jesus Christ. Next. Next. These are set free people. Next. Next. Yeah, this was one of the demon-possessed ones. They were in the front rows, people are standing, and when you felt the presence of God come up, their demons are starting to scream. And they're literally climbing over the heads of the first four or five rows. It was, I wish I had been able to videotape it on my camera up. But they're literally scrambling over the shoulders and the heads of the standing people. And literally throwing themselves to the ground face first. Getting delivered. Because the demons know. They know they're not supposed to be in the people. Not in the presence of Jesus. Anyway, so... This is Atik, so the guy on the far right, he's uh, uh, the guy now that's, that's under Windward covering um, his television, Christian television station called 611, 
and, uh, and then he has a church, and then the guy in the center has a larger television station as well, plus multiple churches as well. You can go ahead. So this is our senior pastor in Russia and our friend in the Ukraine. Go ahead. 611 TV. I think that's the last one, right? Amen. So thank you for sewing. Because anyone in, in, in a true family, when, ev- when anyone advances in a family, the family advances along with it. We could not do this if it wasn't for the faithful givers of this ministry. That's the reality of it. And uh, so thank you for sowing. Thank you for believing in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Here in Canada, in our neighborhoods, but also internationally into the foreign fields. Amen. I just want to honor Henry Schmitz here. So Henry, just stand. Love him. Henry, Henry just went around the world. I think we missed each other in Pakistan by a couple days. It wasn't by long. So uh, you were coming out and I was coming in. He was on his way to Sri Lanka. So absolutely amazing. Henry has just literally been traveling all over the place. So we just bless him. Let's put our hands out to Henry right now. Father, we bless Henry. We love him. We thank you, Father, for the great commission that is in his heart and his life. Uh, and just uh, have the Father's heart to be able to spread and teach around this world. Bless him with the increase and the more, the more and the more in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we did Beatitude 1. I don't know how many weeks ago it was. Um, that was self-minded poverty. Uh, blessed, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The second beatitude was the last time I preached here. Um, it's uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Today in Matthew 5, verse 5, is the third beatitude. I want to say they're the be our attitude. Be this attitude. Be attitudes, okay? So this is what we're supposed to be. An important message taught by Jesus to his disciples and to each one of us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we have, we have the kingdom in Beatitude 1. We have the earth. Blessed are those that are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not a word that is commonly used in our everyday vocabulary. We don't use it a whole lot in, the, in this centuries, um, nor is it commonly practiced, which is the sad part. And I'll be honest with you, I have, to, I, 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 I have to work at these. I'm struggling to walk through these as well, too, in my own life. But meekness is not something that's commonly practiced in today's environment. To be meek is to be humble. Submitted, gentle, but yet strong. A good definition would be bridled strength. Bridled strength. You have a power and an authority, but yet you're bridled. Bridled would mean that someone is holding the reins. You're not unbroken and wild, but bridled. Many people are broken down and wild attitudes. Their attitudes are just all over the place, and they're, they're wild, they're crazy, their thoughts are wild. That's not meekness. But able to be led and directed is part of meekness. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice. 
So they wholly rely on God rather than their own strength. In our teachings of this day, in our environment, and in our society, it's more about you, you, you. You have the strength. You are the one. You are the one. You are the one. It's about you and your opinion, and your opinion matters. Don't care about anyone else's opinion. It's yours. And matter of fact, why don't you just go on social media and just tell everybody your opinion? Oh, my goodness. How many of you just get fed up with social media sometimes? People wonder why I unfriend them on Facebook. They send me a message there. I'm like, guys, hey, your, your, your attitude is out there. Yeah, but why did you unfriend me? Because you're, you're, you're broadcasting on my page things that I don't even agree with. And you tag me. Oh, that drives me nuts. <laughs> you tag me because I got, maybe I have influence. And so you tag my name. I don't even know a lot about Facebook, but I know enough that I think when they tag me, it goes out more places or more people see it or something like that. So, so I'm always untag, untag, untag. And then people are like, how come you're untagging me? I'm like, because you didn't ask my permission to come on my wall or whatever it is or my page or well, I don't know. I'm not really super good on the tech, technique, but I have kids that know it, so it's good. <laughs> I'm not. And you know what? If you tag me too many times, I unfriend you. People are like, oh, it's like, it's like hell froze over or something. I was like, what? What do you mean you unfriend me? Well, quit tagging me. Quit going on my wall and preaching your own whacked out gospel or your political statement. If I don't want to use social media for my political stance, that's my choice, right? People think that because I don't have all, my, all the political junk up on my Facebook page that I'm against all the good stuff that people are doing. I'm like, no, I'm not against it in any way. I just don't really care right now to just be super political on my Facebook page. Do I have the right to do that, or am I against the law? But if you want to be political, go for it. It's on your wall. Just don't tag me. Okay, anyways. <laughs> so in the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice. How many of you, when injustice comes your way, you get a little riled up? Like, you're going to let them have it. That's not meekness. You're not meek when you tell me to quit untagging you. You're not... So what's the true meaning of meek? Not mink, meek. Mink's an animal, meek. Jesus was meek and lowly of heart, yet he drove the money changers out of the temple. With a, a zeal... In a righteous anger, how many of you know that he had a zeal and a righteous anger when he went into that temple and drove the money changers out? I mean, he didn't just drive them out. He overturned things. He had a scourge with him, and it, it was an act that most people would say he wasn't meek at the time. So what does it actually mean, this word meek? Remember the third beatitude that I just read, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So if we understand this, we actually have an inheritance of the earth. If we actually understand what meekness is in our own lives, it's not about gaining more of the kingdom. It's actually about gaining more blessing and favor on earth. See, many of us think that it's about our spiritual walk, but our spiritual walk is about actually plundering the Egyptians, taking the silver and the gold of what God's 
already has, and literally living in the favor and the blessings of his kingdom come as will be done. In us, on earth, as it is in heaven. When the Israelites were led out of captivity, they plundered the Egyptians. They took the silver and the gold with them, and off they went into the desert. They came out of slavery on the way to the promised land. So the journey to the promised land has riches and wealth that's ready to be tapped into, but we need to understand meekness. Many people that are struggling financially will probably not have a super meek attitude. I'm not saying all. I understand hardships. I understand hard times. But I'm just saying many people that I've counseled, that I've been with, have their own way of doing it, their own attitude. They will get so upset when the, pa- the toilet paper roll is reversed. And if anyone gets in the way of their morning coffee, watch out. I'm being serious. Because we need to understand these Beatitudes. Because they're the attitude we're to be. So meekness is more, it's about inheriting things on earth. The word meek can often come with negative connotations. It may be that people see being meek as being a doormat. Or for people to walk all over. In fact, one dictionary defines meekness as overly submissive or compliant, spiritless, and tame. (laughs) Overly submissive or compliant, spiritless, and tame. Does that sound like Jesus? Jesus described himself as meek and lowly in heart in Matthew eleven twenty nine, And we know that the man Jesus who defied the Pharisees overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple and never backed down from wielding the truth as a two-edged sword, he could never be described as spiritless and tame. He had great spirit and he wasn't tame. Oh no, he walked the earth in meekness, humble, This isn't meekness. This isn't what meekness looks like. Meekness is one of the attributes of a beatitude. One of the beatitudes we're to carry. Where meekness comes in is when someone slanders the daylights out of you and you put your head down and you pray for them. Not that I've ever had anyone slander me. And not every time I put my head down. But I tell you what, it's painful. I'm such a truth seeker. And someone slanders your truth or slanders you without even knowing you. Again, the social media thing, it's just, it was so much easier. Sharon and I were talking about, you know, and and talking with the kids there yesterday. And it's like, yeah, like, well, when we were dating, like, we actually didn't have cell phones. And we didn't have social media or FaceTime. We actually had to communicate together or wait for the party line to end. Some some of you know what a party line is. Others of you don't. You're looking at me, what's a party line? Like, it's a big party? It's when you have, like, four houses on the same phone line. And you pick it up because there's only one phone line to that whole area. And you you pick it up and listen. And if someone else is talking, you put it back down. Hopefully, that's what they all did when we were talking. But I know (laughs) you can always hear when they don't. Hello, it's being used. Thank you for putting the phone back down. Or do you remember you're on talking and someone picks their phone up and it's rotary dial and it's click, 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 click. I know the young people are all, what is he talking about? Yeah, 
It was worse, Henry says, worse than being tagged on Facebook. <laughs> so if you want to inherit the earth, we need to learn and understand what true, truly what meekness means. There are huge differences between being meek and being timid. Meekness is a virtue. Timid is a vice. Meekness and timidity are opposites. Being meek must never be confused with being timid. A timid spirit is the exact opposite of a meek spirit. Are we getting the point? The quietness which accompanies meekness is a result of one's trust in the Lord. You're quiet in times of struggle in these situations because you actually have your trust in God and not in man. Timidness has the trust in man, but not in God. You say, well, hold it, I'm, I'm quiet. And I, I'm not talking about just being quiet. I'm talking about being timid. You're timid is you're fearful of doing something for the sake of something else, or you, you don't want, you're scared to do something because something else might happen, or, or you have a fear of something. Timid to go across the Capilano suspension bridge. Don't talk to me and my wife about that experience. We were dating. She doesn't like heights. I just thought it was kind of funny when the bridge shook. But anyways, um, <laughs> the quietness which accompanies meekness is a result of one's trust in the Lord, but the quietness of timidity is the result of one's lack of trust. So when we're quiet because of we're too timid, we actually don't walk in trust. We must realize that a meek person is not always quiet, though. Meekness is quiet when it should be quiet. What does that look like? When he's treated unjustly, man, that's hard for me. How many of you could be honest that when you're treated unjustly, you want to retaliate first? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> My hands are all up. I'm such a just person. I'm like a truth person. If I see three people beating up one, I jump in and say, hey, one on one is okay, but not three against one. So I just have my attitude. I was just driven, aggressive fighter guy back in the day, and it's just like, when others lose their temper on you, what do you do? Lose yours back? Or are you meek? When they chatter about this and that, and, and they, fight their own, they fight for their own gain and advantage, and you're in the brunt of their fight, meekness is quiet. But you are not to be quiet when you press into God with passionate cries for an increase of faith. That should not be in your meek moment, your quiet moment, that you're passionately going after God. It's kind of like, okay, God, I'm passionately going after you. No, that's not a quiet time. That's a verbalizing time. That's an on-fire time with God. You're not to be quiet. We need to cry out to God both day and night. You're not to be quiet when you're to raise your voice like a trumpet to declare to God's people their transgressions, Isaiah 58.1. We're not to be quiet when someone is radically, your friend is in sin, and, and you're going to just be meek and timid and not say anything to the person. No, we're not supposed to just sit back and be quiet. Yeah, but, but if I speak up, I'm, I'm going uh, to lose my friendship. You know what? If they speak up in that perspective, you shouldn't have them as a friend. Well, how am I going to win them to Jesus? Not being timid or quiet. You're not, you're not to be quiet when you have to defend the truths of the gospel openly or tear the lamb out of the lion's mouth. 
One of, one, of the, one of the lambs is in the lion's mouth. What are you going to do? Oh, little kitty cat. Please just yawn. Open the mouth so I can get this lamb back out. No. You're going to go, well, you know, hey, lion, come Get out, lamb, get out. You're not to be quiet when you speak of his blessings. Oh, God bless me today. No, I, God is blessing me. Amen. Like, literally blessing me. Oh, now you're prideful. No, I'm actually not. I'm telling you he's blessing me. I am so in love with him. I can't do life without him. I just hunger for more every day, every minute, every moment. I just want more. I'm blessed. Look at my family. I'm blessed. Oh, now you're boasting about your family. No, I'm boasting about the blessings of God. Look at our church. Yeah, but you know what? No, no, no. I'm boasting about the blessings of God. Because his favor and blessing is on the people who live in the nine Beatitudes. It's an automatic reaction if we take it to heart and we grab it and we actually live it. Because this one, I get to inherit this earth. God's nature is divine nature, and it's two-sided. Divine nature is quiet when it needs to be quiet, and it can boom like the sound of thunder and lightning when it needs to. Sinful nature also has two sides. Sinful nature is boisterous when it ought to be quiet, and it is quiet and timid when it ought to cry out with all its might. But you see, God's nature, the divine nature, it's quiet when it needs to be, and it booms like thunder and lightning when it needs to be. Let's not live a sinful nature, boisterous when you ought to be quiet. And quiet and timid is when it ought to cry out. That's a sinful nature. We don't live that way. We shouldn't live that way. God's nature, divine nature, is perfectly pure, and it cannot be tempted by evil. The nature of God can't be tempted by evil. You say, well, no, the devil can tempt anybody. Actually, no. I don't believe that. I don't believe the devil can tempt God. God is non-temptable, if that's such a word or phrase. Well, no, he tempted Jesus. Yeah, Holy Spirit had to lead him 40 days into fasting to his weakest state possible on the earth. And then the devil tempted. But the devil could only tempt with what the devil owned. And he tempted with the kingdoms of this earth and the things. And, and, and what did Jesus Christ come back with? Jesus Christ came back with the word. I, I truly have to believe that God cannot be tempted. His whole countenance is so powerful, true, and beautiful, and perfect that temptation can't even get close to it. So what are you and I supposed to live our life like here on this earth? Well, I pray that we live a God-like lifestyle. Jesus Christ is a lifestyle that you and I are aiming towards to where the devil can't even tempt us because we're so full and radiating with his presence, the power and the authority of a risen Lord and Savior's name in our life. Well, I don't believe that could happen. No, if you believe you can be tempted all the time, guess what? You've just opened the door to temptation. Can I say that I live without temptation? No, I can't. But I tell you what, I live with a whole lot less temptation now than I did 10 years ago. 
And I fail a whole lot less than I did 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. So why don't we go after more of him, more of his presence in such a level that the temptations can't come that way? Don't open up your mind to temptation. Yeah, but what if I'm sick? You're sick. Why does that change your way with God? Why, why would you be depressed or frustrated or angry? The, the more you get depressed about it, the more you've opened the door up for the sickness to grab hold of you. And I believe the more we open the door up for sickness or for depression or for the issues or the problems of this world to hammer at us, we start to live in a culture of fear-based mentality. And fear-based mentality is the open door for temptation. We are promised that we can be partakers of the divine nature of God by fleeing the corruption of this world. So I don't stay focused on the corruption. You listen to the news. Oh, my goodness. I get Fox News, American News, and it's just over and over again. But in the hotels, I get CNN, and then I go, oh, my goodness, I can't even listen to these guys anymore. It's driving me crazy. I tell you what, if I actually focused on the world state... I would be absolutely depressed right now, but I'm focusing on God's state, and I'm absolutely not depressed. I am on fire, and revival is breaking out all over this world. When you have a whole Muslim family coming to Jesus because he chose to heal this person, I tell you what, I am on fire of his presence in the Holy Spirit. I, I, you know what? We have a prime minister. I pray for him every day. I pray blessings on his life. Doesn't mean I approve of him on the things he does, but I acknowledge he is my prime minister. And I have to honor him and bless him. I don't honor his decisions, but I honor him and bless him as a man. And I pray that he has a revival moment in the middle of the night to such a level that he will radically get saved and see a radical shifting and changing. And you know the homosexual movement? I disagree with their, their agenda, but I, I love the people and bless them. I actually think somewhere in Scripture we're supposed to bless our enemies. And they're actually not even our enemies. They're, 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 our peop they're the people that are waiting for us to lead them to Jesus. <laughs> I am absolutely against Soji 1, 2, 3, 4, is it? Or is it 5, 6, 7 yet? Or Absolutely against it. I love people like Catherine and others that are standing up and fighting it. Because we need to have people that stand up and fight it. I am absolutely against what our kids are being taught in public schools. I do not think it's correct. It is absolutely against the biblical morals that I base the foundation of my life on. My Bible is very clear on that morality. And my Bible's clear to say that that morality is 100% sin, and they should not be indoctrinating our children. Am I getting political? No, I'm speaking truth. This actually isn't political. This is truth. Politics or everything outside of this. Being meek leads to salvation. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble or meek, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. But then in Exodus, so here Moses is very humble, more than all men on the face of the earth. But then in Exodus 32, 19, it says, And so it was, as soon as he, that's Moses, came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. 
And he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Do we know what's going on here? He just came down from the mountain. He had uh, the finger of God writing in fire or something. Power, electricity, tectronical, something. I don't know what he used, but somehow he got this stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on it. Moses is coming down like a victor champion, and he comes back into the, into the, into the camp, and they're worshiping uh, idols. So Moses' meekness came near to the camp. He saw the calf dancing. So Moses' anger became hot because it's a righteous anger. Meekness is one of the attributes, but we have a whole bunch of attributes that we live in. They're called the attributes of God. And so he came so hot, he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Jesus, who teaches us to learn meekness from him, burned with such zeal that he overturned the tables of the money changers and drove them out of the temple with a scourge. John chapter 2, 13 to 17. I'm not going to all the scriptures just for time. We must not be looking for meekness in these kind of situations. We have to understand when we use meekness. We have to understand when each attribute is used and applied. That's what's called wisdom. That's why Jesus, one of the reasons he's called the man of wisdom, because he actually used his attributes correctly and wisely on this earth. He took what he knew and he applied them personally in his life and and it made him the man of wisdom. It wasn't just knowing. Knowing is knowledge. Wisdom is applying knowledge wisely. So many people know a lot but they don't apply what they know wisely. Wisdom is what we're after. Yes, learn, but apply it wisely in your life. Meekness must be present in the lives of spiritual people, but sometimes our other divine attributes are more prominent because they are more fitting for the situation at hand. James chapter 1, verse 21. Let's turn there, James 1, 21. Therefore, lay aside all all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. How do we learn this meekness? The implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. This meekness will lead us into a greater understanding of his word. This meek times in our life, we'll be opening up his word, we'll be studying it, we'll be praying into it, we'll be absorbing it, we'll be changing our lives. It will lead us into salvation. It will take us into the true lifestyle of a truly saved individual, not just a prayer at the end of a service, as we call it the sinner's prayer. That's not actually what makes you saved. Well, what do you mean? Well... Nowhere in Scripture does it say pray a sinner's prayer. There's one prayer that we're taught to pray. It's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name of your kingdom come, your will be done. What we do is, yes, confess with your mouth for salvation. Absolutely. But believe on me, says Jesus. Believe on me and you shall be saved. So the word is believe. It's a continuing word. It means that salvation is a continuation in our life. And if you're a once a Christian, always a Christian, you might get offended with that last statement. But the reality is, is can you lose salvation or not? Or is it once you're saved, you're always saved? You know the theologies I'm talking about. I grew up in a group that believed once you're saved, you're always saved. But you see, when I lived a backslidden life, they just said I never was saved in the first place. However you want to look at it, the reality is, is why are you worried on if you can lose your salvation? 
Oh, you got too much hidden things going on that you're worried if you can lose your salvation, so you're going to justify you can never lose it because you got too much hidden inside? No, we can't live that life. We have to go after God with everything that he has in us and everything we are in him and continually go after God, living in meekness when the meekness is appropriate in his word, studying of his word and bringing us into greater understandings of what a true saved life looks like. I have more understanding about salvation in me than I did 30 years ago. I'm learning more and more about salvation. It's kind of like being married. I've been married to my wife 30 years. The day we said I do to each other 30 years ago, we didn't know everything about marriage. Matter of fact, I didn't know a lot about marriage. But 30 years later, I have more authority in the understanding of marriage than I did when I said I do. The I do was the covenant that started the process, but in the process, I grew into the trueness of the salvation of marriage. I'm using salvation out of context. And so when we say I do to Jesus, literally our life has to be a continually growth of salvation, of sozo in our life. Sozo, healed, uh, what is it, healed, delivered? Saved, healed, delivered, that's right. So sozo in our life is the word salvation. It's saved, healed, and delivered all put together. Saved, healed, and delivered. You know what? I am continually living in salvation, and I'm growing deeper in my understanding of it in my own life. Two, I'm being healed of everything that comes my way. One, my own human mentality is the first miracle I need healing in. Three, what was it? Saved, healed, and delivered. Three, I'm delivered. (laughs) Sorry. I'm a little jet lagged right now. Three, I'm delivered. Delivered from what? One and two. And if I keep living and increasing in one and two, I get three all the time. It's just beautiful. And three rotates one and two. I'm delivered from self. I'm delivered from my own human understanding because my human understanding cannot grasp his understanding. I have to be delivered from my own mindset and be renewed in his daily. Because if I try to expect what's going to happen in my mindset, I will literally harness and stop the ability of what God can do in me. It won't stop his ability. It'll just stop his ability of what he can do in me. When the word judges, the word of God judges and chastens us, when it divides between soul and spirit and joints and marrow, when it crushes and humbles us, when it takes away, when it lays us bare, then it is vital to be quiet and meek and admit that the word is right. This is one of the areas of meekness we're missing in this society. People will read the word, and they're starting to get all fluffy in the mind, and woo out there, and pretty soon new theologies are popping up, and pretty soon you're hearing these people talking about, you know, they're talking with aliens and, and spaceships, and they're great Christian people that have just gone wonky. And they get brought in to get wise counsel from their leadership, and they refuse their leadership. Why? Because, of course, that person knows everything. Because they lost meekness. They completely lost the ability to be helped, directed, and guided. Watch it. Because so many of us, especially in the charismatic and ultra-charismatic circles, we believe we're the only ones that hear God for our own life. And I want to tell you what, that's a false doctrine. 
If you think you're the only one that's going to hear for your life, you're confused. And you have no meekness left in that theology. You hear what I'm saying? I cannot be the only one that hears from God in my life. I have to have ears for my wife, ears for my children, ears for my elders, ears for my leadership team, ears for my spiritual fathers and mothers to speak into me. If I lose that, I become a mountain unto myself. I will start to become a dictator. I'll have a narcissist personality. I get so tired when people come to me for counsel and they've heard from God and they come and tell me, you know, Brent, you know, we know God's called us to move and so we're going to move, but I need your counsel. What do you need my counsel on? Well, should we go or not? I said, you just said God said. Of course you should go. Yeah, but I really don't know and, and uh, you know, da, 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 da. What do you mean you don't know? You just said God told you. So either I'm going to go against God or I'm going to go into agreement with God and I'll guarantee you which one I'll choose. You say God said, I'm going into agreement with it even though I completely believe you didn't hear God. What do you mean? That's what I mean. You asked me, you're sitting in my office. Well, you're not being gentle. Well, you're being crazy. Sorry. Please hear what I'm saying. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. But the reality is, is we have to have wise counsel. If I don't have wise counsel, even within my marriage, I don't have a true marriage. If I don't hear the voice of my wife speak into me, who knows me best out of any other person on this earth, I guarantee you we'll head towards a divorce because it's two independent people going to go off on their own patterns and their own ideas and their own hearing for the voice and they're hearing whatever voices and they're going their own direction. And I guarantee you that is not what marriage is about. Many times we need to keep our mouth shut instead of answering back to live in meekness. It's not our duty to always defend and make excuses for ourselves. It's not even our duty to always tell other people what their problems are. That's not meekness. When you go to somebody, well, no, no, no. What about pull the plank out of, you know, yeah, listen to what it says. Pull the plank out of your own eye before the speck out of somebody else's. Yeah, but we're supposed to discipline and, and chastise. And really? What level of discipline are you called to step into? The level of discipline that any of us have into someone else's life is the amount they trust and honor you and respect you into it. Now, our children's a different story. But I have as much ability to discipline any one of you as much as you're willing to trust me and my judgment on the discipline. Because if you don't, and I try to discipline you, you'll get so angry, frustrated, upset, and you'll probably head out the door. So what it's pushed us as leaders into is not wanting to discipline the people because they actually don't have ears for the help. Not that we know it all, but it's pretty easy to watch when someone goes off the wall. It's not that difficult when you actually study and read the Word of God when someone's starting to go astray. It's really not. It might seem difficult to some, but it's actually not if you know the Word, the truth of the Word in your life. But a lot of people just... How many in here just love being disciplined? Just put your hand up. It's one. It's okay, I'll get, I'll get her after the service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. 
We actually should enjoy discipline. It's hard. But we should welcome it. Because true discipline is to actually strengthen us and to make us stronger. It's not our, uh, the third beatitude of meekness will lead us, into de- lead us deeper into testimony of salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Through being yoked to Christ, we can have a change of attitude. Through being connected and bound to Christ, we can have a change of attitude. Instead of being reactionary, angry, sulking, and full of complaints, we can have an attitude that gives value to others without being undignified ourselves. Yoke to Christ will show self-control rather than angry outbursts. Even when we are unjustly treated, with an attitude of meekness, we can be friendly, caring, uh, encouraging, and gentle toward others because we're strong in our identity through Christ. With a meek attitude, our identity in Christ is strong, so our whole persona starts to change where we actually become friendly. Everyone smile. Just look to your, look to your left and just smile at them and just say, actually, just tell your neighbor don't smile because your teeth don't look that great. No, I'm just kidding. But, and look to your right and smile to them too. Don't leave anyone out. We can be friendly, caring, encouraging, and gentle towards others because we're strong in our identity in Christ Jesus. When people live this way, they they experience true happiness. How do you experience part of true happiness? Meekness. It brings happiness. When we don't have to retaliate and justify who we are to people and let them say whatever they want to say, they're going to say whatever they want to say no matter how much you retaliate. So when we can actually let that go, let the burdens of their opinion of me not matter to me, and let their their own issues and problems that they're dealing with not affect me, we actually experience true happiness. In meekness, you are no longer fighting the world. We're not not fighting the world. I'm not every day waking up, I'm going to fight the world, fight the world, fight the world. You know what? The world's core values, they're just different than our core values, but the people are, that are living in the world are living in the world's core values. So you can't fight them. They're actually being obedient to the core values they believe in. What we need to do is show them that our core values and the power of living testimony, our core values trump, get it, the core values of the world. That our core values are better than the world's core values. But they're not our enemy. The world is not our enemy. They're just waiting for our core values to invade them. And when our core values invade them, their core values start to change and they start to see true happiness. They start to feel the love of Jesus Christ and their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. They start to see the blessings in their life. They start to see the favor. They start to see the miraculous happening. I'm not at war with the world. I'm not even at war with the devil. He's already defeated. Well, you're going to cast out the demons. Yeah, we'll cast out the demons, absolutely. But the demons aren't in me. 
how do you know that, Grant? I know! Because where the light shines, darkness can't be. Well, you just are stuck on yourself, Brent. No, I'm actually stuck on Jesus Christ and this word. And he won the war. He won the war. And if he lives in freedom and he's in me, I live in freedom. When I go into the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not against the world which means people. I'm just trying to bring the right core values into the structure. But because my neighbor's a sinner, I'm at war with him. Bad attitude. Yeah, but his dog keeps doo-dooing on my front yard. Whatever. It's not your battle. It's not your war. The war, if there's any war going on, it's right between your ears. Well, no, the devils and the demons are raging around us. Oh, absolutely. But why would you go to fight them if you already have the victory? Well, because we have to cast out devils. You know what? Any demons in this room, get out in Jesus' name. you know how to inherit all the good things God has placed on this earth for you. In a meekness, you now inherit all the good things that God has placed on this earth for you and you're laying up treasures for the new heaven and new earth that Christ is bringing to us. That's what meekness is doing. Meekness is allowing us to to literally inherit the earth. If meekness is allowing us to inherit the earth, he's allowing us to inherit the good things of the earth. Was that Siri talking? Get behind me, Satan. No, I'm just kidding. Sometimes these things... I just wonder how much they're listening and watching us, right? (laughs) Well, have a meek attitude, Siri. Know when to speak and not to speak, because sometimes in the middle of a message, it'll just, could you say that again? I didn't hear you. (laughs) Serious, it's like ridiculous. attitude of meek. Don't speak sometimes when you feel you need to. Yeah, but God told me to lash back. Grab the scripture, especially New Covenant, and justify where you're supposed to have the almighty voice of everything. You're supposed to lash out and destroy relationships around you. That's not what we're called to do. There's times when we want to lash out. Remember this message of meekness. And I find the easiest way to stop myself is to bring blessing upon them. Oh God, as much as I just love them, Father, and bless them. Bless them. 
all stand. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for all your blessings on every person in this place and each one watching on TV because you truly have blessed us and are blessing us continually. I thank you for it, Father. I ask, Lord God, that we'll be able to take these beatitudes that we're learning, that we'll actually imply them into our heart and our life attitude. And they will become the attitudes of our heart, of our life, of our mouth. I pray, Father, that I will walk deeper into, into meekness, Lord. At the times that I even want to retaliate, I, I'll settle myself down and just bless them. None of us in here are holier than anyone else. We're all on a journey. The journey is called life. But the purpose of this journey is more of you and less of us. Because, Father, when we have become less of our own understanding, we gain more of who you are in our life. And when we gain more of you in our life, our purpose starts to be fulfilled. I ask you, Lord, that when tough storms and difficult situations arise in our life, that we'll always look at you and stay focused on you first. That we won't always be ready to go to war with the people around us, but instead we'll live in the victory that will be the testimony of victory to them. That enemy, every time he attacks, he wants a reaction from us. And it drives that devil nuts when we don't react to his temptations. <laughs> and so I ask, Father, for that strength, the increase that I know every one of us long for, but that we're able to do the shifting needed for the changes that need to come into our own personal attitudes and our own hearts. I pray for that strength. I feel like the Lord is speaking and saying, I have given you that strength. Then we receive the strength in Jesus' name. More, more, more. We hunger for more, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you. Jesus Christ, thank you. Windward family, thank you. If you're visiting here today, thank you for being a part of what God is calling us to do in this earth. And that our meek attitudes will inherit the earth. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.